This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get things going on this Thursday edition of Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you. Outstanding production team, Cam and Taylor along with us this afternoon. We're coming to July for the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. One more off day for the Calgary Flames before they're back in game action on Friday against the Anaheim Ducks. They got a massive assist last night from the Minnesota Wild on the out-of-town scoreboard. And heading into the game against Anaheim tomorrow will be just four points back of Winnipeg with equal number of games played. We'll get you the latest from Calgary Flames practice today. No lineup changes expected for tomorrow's game. We will hear from Jacob Markstrom, Elias Lindholm, and Chris Tanev. As the program continues, chat with Lou a little later on here in hour one of the program today. Just some technical issues we got to iron out before we have Lou on for uh, kick off the program today. We'll also uh, dive into some NHL news and notes. Good news for the NHL when it comes to the potential sale of the Ottawa Senators. Some big valuations coming in there for potential ownership groups. And we'll uh, look into the NHL expansion question that's been raised the last couple of weeks by NHL insiders like Jeff Merrick, Elliot Friedman, and Frank Saravelli. Well, let's uh, start things off here on a Thursday. We usually chat with our pal Adnan Verk with some travel issues. Uh, he had to join the morning show today with Russick and Rose. So we'll bring you that conversation right now, starting with Adnan's thoughts on the World Baseball Classic. A little bit of Blue Jays talk with the boys as well. And, of course, it wouldn't be a chat with Adnan without some movie talk. And uh, the boys, of course, get into that with the host of the Cinephile Podcast. Here's Adnan Verk, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast with Russick and Rose earlier today talking all things World Baseball Classic to start things off with Verk. I love it, man. Here's the thing. It's been a long time. You and John Morosi. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, me. Yeah, no, you're right. Morosi is the absolute commissioner of the World Baseball Classic. <laughs> he, he he literally ponders over, thinks over, is infatuated by it. I said to him, it must feel like Christmas for him. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, if there was Christmas stocking World Baseball Classic, Morosi would have those. But, you know, Japan won the first two. Uh, Dominican Republic won the, the 2013. And then the USA won in 2017. So the fact that Mark DeRosa, of course, our buddy at MLB Network, uh, one of the uh, stars at MLB Central, is managing Team USA, obviously, invested in that but of course obviously they don't want team Canada to do well we've never gotten out of the, the group stage so it's it's going to be a challenge obviously for us being in the same group as the U.S. but then also Mexico as well so um I feel listen our, our Super Bowl is going to be Tuesday night at 10 o'clock Eastern God if Canada could beat USA it would be amazing um but I think overall when you look at the odds the American Republic is favored I think it's like plus 210 on MGM Ben MGM odds um you know USA is let's say plus 250 and Japan's there plus two seventy five. I looked at Japan's group and I'm like, it's ridiculous. Like I think Czech Republic is in there. Like they are not going to be tested coming out of the group stage. So Japan has a very easy path. 
But as you guys know, this is the true sprint, not a marathon. I mean, it's single elimination after you go to that group stage. The entire tournament wraps up, I believe, March 21st. Like, it's pretty rare you can say, like, think of March Madness. You know, that has a lot of buzz, and sure, it goes two and a half weeks, but this is even less than that. Like, the, it started yesterday, and the World Baseball Classic will be over in, like, 12 days. It's crazy to me how, how quick it is, but um, I think it's going to be fun. What have you made of some of the new rules as uh, spring is well underway here? Well, I think so far it's working out, Matt. You know, they've got to speed up baseball. Everybody knows that. And mm-hmm. so far, you know, the games are around two and a half hours, which has been great news. But as my buddy Jim Kirchner was saying, it's, an, it's not necessarily faster is better. It's certainly more efficient. But just because the game's faster doesn't mean the games are going to be better. So I'm, I'm hoping it will be quicker games, but also more compelling games. But by the same token, if it's a dog of a game, it's better if it goes quicker than it goes longer. So, um, you know, I, I think the whole key is it's not just the time of the game. It's the action in the game, right? There's too many walks, too many strikeouts, too much standing around. There's, you know, it's just, just too sedentary as a sport compared to where it was in the 80s and the 90s. So hopefully we'll just get more hit and runs, more stolen bases. Obviously no more shift, just more offense in general. Although I don't know. Like I think in some ways the pitch clock may help the pitcher. Like if he's mm-hmm. in a rhythm, in a tempo, and then all of a sudden the hitter can't step out and scratch himself and look around at the crowd. Well, no, you're going to get back in the box. It's going to help that pitcher. So it's ironic that I think the rules are designed to help offense, and yet depending on who's pitching that day, I think it's going to really help the pitcher. If the back Scherzer and Adam Wainwright, if those guys are rolling, they're going to know how to control the clock. But ultimately, baseball's plan is make the games quicker. So far, that has happened on a resounding level. Like, it's going to be crazy when March 30th starts and a 105 game Eastern is done at 3.35. Like, it's going to be two and a half hours, and away we go. So I, that's the plan, and that's good. But I, like I said, I hope the games themselves are good, not just the pitch clock. It's pro sports, so if you're not looking for an edge, you're not doing it right. But in that vein, have you been impressed by how quickly the pitchers have been able to almost weaponize this and, and turn this into an advantage for them over the batters? Well, that's the story Tim Kirch was telling me the other day. He was saying that, you know, a, a, a young rookie stepped in the box with like 18 seconds left in the clock. And Max Scherzer was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. He literally stared the guy down for like 14 seconds. Huh. And he was, it, it, it weaponizes the right word for it because clearly Scherzer was able to use it to his advantage. He's like, oh, my God, I've got so much time to play with now to make these guys uncomfortable and, and kind of dictate the flow of the game. And, you know, the one, the one thing I've seen a lot with the hitters just adjusting to is trying to just be set and alert in the box with eight seconds to go. That, that's what seems to be the trick. It's not that they're out of the box wandering around. It's just you're supposed to be alert and ready to go with eight seconds to go, and then the pitcher can deliver that pitch. So I've seen more than a few violations on that, so hopefully they'll clean it up uh, come opening day. You, you think the balls are going to be juiced this year? I, you know, I, I think you know, what they're going to do is, uh, no, to answer the question, I think what they're going to do is say, listen, hopefully these changes are going to impact things. You always see in April, George, hey, offense is down, what's going on? Well, it's cold. Don't worry. Once the weather warms up, the offense will be there. So I, I think April, everyone's going to be kind of cautious and say, okay, let's first focus on length of time. If the games are quicker, two hours and 40 minutes being the goal, that would be fantastic. And then hopefully the offense will come once the weather warms up. Um, when it comes to the Blue Jays, I'm, I'm sure there's still a lot of fans who are just bitter on how things ended last season. A lot of expectations that debacle against the Mariners, how they went out of the postseason. But I kind of like the moves they've done this offseason, and I feel like it's it's a deeper team, maybe not as good offensively, but they're certainly going to catch the ball better, and they're certainly going to probably pitch the ball better. Um, are we, I know it's weird to say, are we sleeping a little bit on the Blue Jays heading into this season? 
No, I don't think it is weird, George. You're right. I think because what happened is a year ago, all the expectations seemed to be there. And Toronto did make the playoffs, but they were behind the Yankees. And they clearly were not nearly as good. And the Yankees, for good reason, still have a swagger about them because they won 99 games. They've gotten number 99, Aaron Judge back, and they added Carlos Rodon, who's been a top 10 pitcher the last two years in baseball. So, you know, I think for a good reason, the Yankees are favored. The Rays are just always in the mix, especially, which is ironic for them, their starting pitching is really good. Normally, you always think of their bullpen, but their, their Rays starting pitching is very good. And so the Jays are like, oh, I know the Jays are good, but hey, you know, it's almost like you're kind of looking for another storyline rather than focusing on what's right there in front of you. And I'm with you that Toronto clearly looked at run prevention more than anything. And you're going to lose the big bat of Teoscar Hernandez, but you beefed up the bullpen a little bit, trying to give Romano some support. And Dalton Varsha, to me, is going to be a really interesting player to watch. You know, seeing him in the spring training so far, he seems like he's excellent defensively, a real dirt ball in the, the kindest sense of that word in baseball terms. is a gamer, will go after everything and can hit a little bit. So I think, and obviously Kiermaier is a massive move in terms of run prevention. He's not going to hit much, but he's tremendous defensively. And we've seen that for years in center field with the race. So I'm with you. I think Toronto clearly said, hey, let's f- focus on run prevention rather than scoring so many runs. Let's, let's beef that up a little bit with the bullpen and with our defense. And, and maybe that will bear fruit. Um, but I think ultimately they know where, where their strength lies. You know, they have to have big years in the likes of Vladi and Bobuchet. And, and they're starting pitching. I mean, Barrios, to me, it's a critical season. Like, he really has to step up. Mm-hmm. You don't give a guy $130 million unless they think he's going to be a real answer. And you're, you're a number three guy. Like, that's, that's a lot of money for a number three starter because of the fact that Manoa and Gosman look ready to go as one and two. So I think it's a, it's a big year for Barrios and um, Kikuchi as well. I mean, God, he was horrible last year. He's looked great so far this spring. That would really help fortify the starting ranks. It's his beard. Uh, he's Bizarro Kikuchi with that evil beard. Um, and then that's, that's why he's pitching better uh, right now. Um, it's not even him. Yeah, it's, it's Bizarro Kikuchi. Um, the Red Sox here, too, before we get to some fun Oscar, Oscar trivia. Um, the Red Sox, I, I feel like uh, the Orioles probably going to have a they have an upward trajectory here. The Rays are annoyingly the Rays. And like you mentioned, the Yankees and their ridiculous payroll and, and always a behemoth in this division. What's your read on the Red Sox? Because I have no idea what they're doing or what their direction is. Well, they're probably going to be last place in the division. Best case, they're fourth place. I mean, I, I think it's a really clear that it's Yankees, Jays, and Rays. But the Orioles are going to be good, and they're going to be improved from a season ago, and they're at least 500, maybe 85 wins and pushing for a potential playoff spot because their young players are so talented. Ali Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson among them, which leaves the Red Sox. And, you know, Alex Cora can always work some magic, but he's going to have to work some miracles here. They're going to still score runs. I mean, they were top 10 offense, I think, in majors a year ago. And even with losing Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez, I do think that, you know, obviously Devers is a great player and, and listen, in that ballpark, Justin Turner coming over, they're always going to score some runs. But their pitching could be an absolute shambles. I mean, you, you lose Nathan Evaldi, <laughs> who wasn't always healthy either. Chris yeah. Sale, you have not been able to count on at all since he signed that massive contract. And you're expecting him to be the ace. Corey Kluber is the number two former signing award winner, but he's not a guy who's, you know, he's like a four and a half ERA guy at this point in his career. Yeah. And after that, you're just hoping for success. Garrett Whitlock was terrific in the bullpen for them. They're hoping now he's going to be in the rotation. Brian Bale is another young guy trying to put him in the rotation. Like you could, you could feel like this is another classic Red Sox season where they're trying to win games 10 to eight, except now they don't have Bogarts and JD Martinez. So the offense isn't as good as they thought. So in terms of a plan, I, I think Red Sox fans are, are going to be frustrated. I, I can't see this team being better than 75, 76, 77 wins. I mean, I know the whole division's great. And by the way, this will help the Red Sox less 
intra-division games, right? They're going from 19 against the Yankees to 13. So that does help them in less mm. games in the division. But as far as a plan moving forward, it, it, it's going to be a tough year, I think, for Boston. Okay, Elliot, I just wanted to ask you a hot National League talk because the city of Calgary loves the National League. Oh, yeah. Um, which, which team's more fun or going to be more fun to watch, the Mets or the Padres? I think it's the Padres. To me, that they've been the story this offseason. Like, they are just spending money like a drunken sailor. It, it is it is fun to see. And it, it's funny, if you don't really, you know, pay much attention to these things, San Diego is like number 27, I yeah. think, in terms of population in America. Like, it, they're spending money like they're a top three market. Like, they're the Mets or the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Cubs. Like, it's wild. And they finished 22 games behind the Dodgers, impressively pulled off that upset. And now for many, they're the favorite in that division. And I don't know if I'm going quite that far yet, like 22 games back of the Dodgers. I don't know if they've cleaned it all up, but L.A. is weakened by their starting pitching. Tyler Anderson's no longer there. They're expecting a lot at Arias and Gonsolin. <laughs> excuse me, Clayton Kershaw at this advanced age. And obviously, they've lost Bellinger, who's not as great, but Trey Turner is a big deficit for the Dodgers going to the Phillies. And San Diego, well, all they do is, okay, let's lock up Machado. We got Bogarts, who we're going to sign into his 40s as our new shortstop. Tatis will be back April 20th, now playing a new position in right field. And you're getting a full year of Juan Soto. You've got a closer who is going into free agency after this season. Like, you've got very well-motivated players all over the place. And even, mm-hmm. like, spare parts, like a Matt Carpenter's utility guy. Nelson Cruz is a veteran DH, can help mentor some of these guys. I mean, San Diego, I think, is just going to be a ton of fun to watch. I mean, it's um, – them and the Mets, it's a great question because they're both going to be must-see TV, but I'll go with San Diego. And, and I love Steve Cohen's like, um, our scoreboard's not big enough. We need a bigger one. And he just went and bought a bigger one. Like, how awesome is that to be a Mets fan? <laughs> just like going to Walmart. And I, and I love how all the owners are like, hey, stop spending so much money. It's like, shut up. You're making us look poor. Yeah, the guy doesn't even care. He just wants to win a world championship for the New York Mets. That's good for the sport, I think, ultimately. Sport I prefer no salary what the cap. A's do. Yeah, and the Rays. Yeah, really exciting baseball. Yeah, pitching and defense. That's how you win. I want a payroll as big as my yearly salary, and that's it. Listen, if if, add in, is there anything better than breaking down which ring is what base at the trop? (laughs) You hit that ring, it's a double. You hit that ring, it's a home run. That's a great ballpark they got there in Tampa Bay. Fair rules. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. Like there's still a, a team in Tampa Bay. Like they're they're <laughs> yeah. never going to show up at that park. No, nope. they're never going to build a new park. And yet somehow, some way, they're going to win 90 games. We'll have to look at that yep. eyesore come playoff time. Yep, it's true. Um, Adnan Verk, MLB, NHL Network, Cinephile Podcast, joining us here on the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sports at 960. The fan. He's on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The 95th Academy Awards goes down um, Sunday. Jimmy Kimmel is going to be hosting it. I'm sure uh, there'll be a lot of uh, political undertones like there usually is in the Oscars, uh, Adnan, because uh, people in Hollywood are just like you and me when they have their political statements and their $150,000 grab bag they get at the end of the show. But whatever. They're just (laughs) like you and me, Adnan. It's the same thing. They're just like you and me. You ready to do some Oscar podcast, uh, Oscar questions? You ready for this? I can't wait. I can't wait. What do you think the chance of Adnan goes at least like 80 to 90 percent here. How many questions do you have? Three. Three? I'm going to say he gets two of three correct. Okay. Are are you ready for this, Adnan? I think these are fairly easy for a movie buff like you. Okay. I'm going to also say I get two out of three. Here we go. Okay. (laughs) I like that. Throw Um, one for me. Three sports films, Adnan, have won Best Picture at the Oscars. Which three films are they? 
Okay, so I'm going to call Million Dollar Baby a sports film because we're boxing it, but I'm not sure if you're going to. Okay, good. Um, okay, it's interesting. Well, it's obviously not the likes of like the Caddyshacks and Major League or Raging Bull. Um, it's Best Picture, you said? Yes. Okay, it's not the longest yard. Uh, Proud of the Yankees? No. Nope. No. The longest yard um, with Adam Sandler didn't win Best Picture? Well, there's also the. Are we sure about that? There's, can we there's also du- the original. Can we double? Yeah, but yeah. can we double check that the Sandler yeah. one didn't win? Little Nicky won the Academy yeah. Award that year for yeah. Adam Sandler. Field. Yeah, <laughs> I like the stalling you're giving me. Uh, it was not Field of Dreams for nope. Best Picture, obviously. It was not The Natural. No. Nope. Because uh, who doesn't bleed through their uniform through the ribs while they're doing a plate appearance? Anyway, sorry, more stalling yeah. for you. No, I'm giving up. What do we got? We Come on. One's teams. really easy, Adnan. I thought you were going to hit this one oh, right Rocky, away. Rocky. Rock, sorry, sorry. Rocky. Sorry, Rocky. Rocky, of course. Yeah. Rocky, of course. Yeah. You, you don't and know the Rocky other one? We got. What else? Chariots of Fire. I... Oh, wow. A running. Okay. No, you're right. That is typically a sports film. Yeah. Great, great score by Vangelis. Yep. You're right. Yep. Well uh, Chariots of Fire. Okay. Here we go. This is tough. I think you need to get at least five of these. Or uh, no, I'll say six of the nine. And I'll give you a check mark for it. Mm. Nine sequels have been nominated for Best Picture, including this year's Top Gun Maverick. Give me at yeah. least six of the eight, Adnan Verk. Okay. Uh, Godfather 2, obviously. Yep. I'm just thinking of the best sequels ever. Terminator 2, I don't believe, was nominated for Best no, Picture. Sir. It's a great sequel. Uh, Back to Future 2 is obviously not nominated for... Um... Okay, sequels. <laughs> I'm going to get six of the nine. Uh, Empire Strikes Back was not nominated. No, None of the Star Wars films nominated for Best Picture. No. None of the Marvel movies. No, no, it's of franchises. Um, I don't know what era it's just. Is Avatar up uh, this no, year? Rocky 2. Uh, Avatar Rocky is. Two? Give Maddie Rose a, uh, a ding. There you go. Uh, you said Rocky 2? Yeah. Uh, I... Rocky 2, no. Two Towers. Oh, okay. Yes, give Patrick Dumas. Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, Two Towers and Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. Oh, both of them. Okay, so a couple of Lord of the Rings there. Okay, that helps. Uh, I feel bad that I'm putting you under pressure for this. Yeah, because I'm thinking like the best sequels. Like I said, it's like the T2, The Empire Strikes Back, Mad Max Fury Road. Yes, nice, nice. That's a good pull. Also, such a good movie. Sadly, yeah. Godfather uh, 3. <laughs> yep. Godfather 3. Oh, Patrick yeah. Dumont. Oh, uh, no. Paddington, Paddington 2 is not nominated. Well, it's critically <laughs> no. adored, but I don't think it's up for that picture. No. <laughs> Those critics love it. Uh, a couple of the next two I don't think you're going to get. Uh, this one is from way back in the 1940s when they went to the old talkies. Uh, the Bells of St. Mary's is one of them. <laughs> Oh my God! That Bing Crosby—that's unbelievable. Yes, I think that's Bing Crosby. Wow. Yes, good yeah. call on Bing Crosby and uh, Toy Story Three. <laughs> Toy Story oh, Three. Oh, that's a good one. Wow. All right. Okay. Well, I'm over two. Toy Story Three, <laughs> very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel well, bad now that I've asked you this question. So the, here's the final one. This is tough. Which two films have won three acting Oscars? Which two films? Have won three acting Oscars. We could get it this year with everything, everywhere, all at once. But there's two films right. in Oscar history that have won three acting Oscars. What are those films? And can you name the actors Ooh. and really impress me? Wow. 
Jesus. Okay. Well, it's not the Sons of the Lambs. So that's got two of the three, Hopkins and Foster. No. It's not the Godfather. Let's try Godfather 1. That's Brando. No. Supporting actor, no. It's not. Godfather 2, that would be Pachuma did not win, no. No. Three of the four acting Oscars. Oof, man. Uh, I'll take a hint. I got a hint. <laughs> give me a um, decade. Give me a... Uh, one is genre. from... Okay, I'll give, you, I'll, give you, I'll give you a hint. One is yeah. from the yeah. early 1950s. <laughs> And the other okay. is from the early 1980s. Let's try the 1980s. So that's, you know, it's not Raging Bull is 80, 81, Chariots of Fire, 82. Sorry, 90. sorry. My, my bad. Yeah, 1970s. Yeah. Mid-1970s. My apologies. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, Cuckoo's Nest was 75. That's Nicholson and Louise Fletcher, but I don't think we're supporting. Oh, uh, Network, baby? Yes! Yeah. Out of B. Okay. Can you sure. name the three actors? Sure. I, that I can definitely do. Faye Dunaway for Best Actress. Yeah. Peter Finch for Actor. Beatrice Strait for Supporting Actress. Wow. Nailed it. No problem. Do you have any choice? Yeah. Do you have any chance the other one was 1952? Do you think you can get it? Uh, Yeah. Streetcar Named Desire? Yes. <laughs> You're a stud. Yes. yes. Brando, of course. Uh, No. Uh, No. No, no, it's the other one. It was, sorry, it was uh, Blanche Dubois. Don't tell me her name. God, I see her face. Uh, Carl Malden was also yes! in the film. Yes! Okay. Carl Malden. Yeah, Brando was not, did not win for Streetcar. God, don't tell me her name. Blanche Dubois, I see her face. Vivian Lee. Yes! Unbelievable. And there's one more. <laughs> you got to be joking me. Yeah, the, one, the other one I'm not going to get, but it's, it's supporting actress. I'm not going to remember. Malden's supporting actor. Brando yeah. was the lead. You're a stud. Vivian Lee's actor. I, yeah, supporting Kim that. Hunter. Candy, no? Kim Hunter. Kim Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, right, that's right. yeah. Sure. Kim Hunter. Again. I remember. <laughs> yeah, 1952. Um, I heard. Uh, we heard the clip of you discussing our show on your podcast, and thanks for the shout out. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. <laughs> after what Chris Rock did, I don't think <laughs> they're going to the be hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was funny because I thought it was a great pick by you, George. Just going in, you go, God, that is such a contrived, made-for-TV event. Oh, yeah. The Oscars need numbers. And Rock hadn't said anything. So you go, you know what? I, I do think maybe he's over or he wants yeah. to move past that. And then we saw that Netflix special. Go, no, no, he's still scorching <laughs> yeah. He eviscerated him. And Jade is not happy either, yeah. apparently. So she continues to not no. be happy. Uh, in all of this, Although I did see some articles saying that, that the guy that Jada cheated on with apparently he found it pretty funny. So that's the well, one person that was entertained by all this. That was the guy who was cuckolded. Plus, 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 he probably got a sandwich made by her because it was his son's friend. So what's the difference? Oh, Thanks, Mrs. Smith. Oh, um, um, Adnan Verk, NHL MLB Network host. <laughs> <laughs> that lemonade's delicious. Um, Adnan Verk, oh, NH- NHL MLB Network, host of the Cinephile Podcast. Uh, Adnan, he's going to come the- up here and slap you in the mouth. Oh, watch out. <laughs> uh, get out of my your mouth, um, Atlas Pizza, because we all thought it was fake, but no, it was real. Uh, Adnan, terrific stuff. Yeah. Enjoy the Oscars, pal. We'll talk soon. George Maddy, thank you so much, boys. Be well. There you go. Thursday regular Adnan Verk joining Russick and Rose in the morning uh, on this Thursday on the House Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. When we come back on the other side, we'll kick things off with some Flames conversation. Be Labarius, color voice of the Flames next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. 
You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you this Thursday afternoon, a practice day for the Calgary Flames back at the Scotiabank Saddledome before two at home, Friday against the Anaheim Ducks, Sunday against the Ottawa Senators. Flames game day tomorrow means Pete Labardius will be on Flames warm-up with Pat at 6. Puck drop at 7 between the Ducks and the Calgary Flames. And let's chat with the color voice of the Calgary Flames now. He joins us every single day here on Sportsnet today. He's Pete Labardius, and he's brought to you by our friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. Now offering air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at the Gemini Group. Dot CA. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? Uh, good afternoon. Hope that uh, the technical issues are starting to get straightened out a little. Those are never any fun for anyone involved. No, it sounds uh, like we're doing okay here. appreciate your uh, flexibility as always, pal. Uh, please... Oh, listen, I, I love when I get moved around. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's everyone's favorite, isn't it? Uh, it is, yes. Back on the practice ice today for the Calgary Flames, and uh, looks like this uh, group that we saw together, Lou, for the two-game road trip will continue back on home ice tomorrow against Anaheim. Yeah, if today is any indication, and we certainly have seen things change in the past, the last change that we thought might happen, and it did somewhat eventually, was, remember, Logan, they tinkered with some defensive pairing differences and then we didn't see it the next day but mm-hmm. after another practice in a different situation than we saw it i don't think much is going to change after what occurred on the two game trip but again we'll take a peek tomorrow although i'm expecting it potentially to be optional or quasi optional tomorrow and as we've talked about now, given what's happened to the trade deadline and just having an extra couple bodies, kind of gives Daryl Sutter and the coaching staff, Lou, that ability to change things up depending on the opponent if they would like to go down that road. Yeah, if they would like to go down that road. And, you know, whether, especially for me, whether it's Nick Ritchie who's taken some penalties, but certainly in game one of his two-game debut as a member of the Calgary Flames, even though there was one quite bad penalty in the third. Looks like he'll get another look with Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto. Dylan Dubé, I'm going to guess, probably struggling a little bit internally with where he might be in the lineup in considering the fact that you know, he is having a career year. And I, I'm going to guess that part of it for him is, you know, what do I have to do here to state my claim a little better? And I guess the only thing I would bring to it today, Logan, after thinking about it, is what can be so difficult in certain situations is, yes, we talk from a hockey standpoint about Dylan moving to the middle, and the team needing more speed down the middle, which I think is a consideration. I, I also think in the case of Daryl Sutter, that he is harder on Dylan than maybe some others for two reasons. And that is, I think he's still trying to truly 
figure out where Dylan's going to fit going forward. He has new people, i.e. Nick Ritchie, to work in. And if I think I'm reading the situation right, Daryl, I think, has actually a tendency to be the hardest on two types. People who he thinks can deal with it and who he sees a lot of promise in. The hard part is the both sides see it the same way. But that is just my feeling on Dylan and why he is being used in the scenario that he is. You want to take some time today uh, to chat about the Flames goaltender, Jacob Markstrom, coming off. Uh, if it's not his signature win this season, Lou, then it's got to be near the top uh, in that outstanding performance against the Minnesota Wild. Well, it was number one for me. And number one also factors into not only saves and a shutout, but how desperately your team needs you on a particular night. And they needed him in a big way. They were outchanced. They were outshot by a huge margin. As the game wore on, that gap became larger and larger. And he was spectacular. So we visited that for two days. So let's visit the Jacob Markham Jacob Markstrom story. And that is this, Logan. I noticed about two or three weeks ago when the team was at home prior to going on this road trip that, and I think you can hear it in his voice, his game face, whether it's in net or with the media or anyone else is on. And I mean, locked in, defiant, however you want to put it, it is on. It is also my guess that he has heard a lot of media conversations. I think he's probably even somewhat PO'd at the fan base who I understand have been disappointed, um, but have given him some cat calls on early saves recently. And I think he has dug in. And I think he is very determined to say, really? You thought I still couldn't play the position, huh? Well, I'm playing it. And I'm playing it as well. And I'm not focusing on anything other than being the best I can, which is what he does each and every day. And has he had a hard year? Yes. Does that show that it's been hard for him? Yes. But I want you to listen. Forget about me to him. Because he's the story. And that is, Logan, let's begin today with a question coming off his best stretch of the year, his best performance of the year. Let's hear about how he responded and maybe even how he was asked to where his game and his confidence is. Where would you say your confidence levels are right now? Same as last time you asked me. All right. Yeah. Same as last time you asked me. Now, what did you think when you heard that? Uh, It seems like a guy that's, you know, trying to put a lot of what happened earlier in the year behind him and trying to get back to, I think he understands that being maybe now more Lou than he did earlier in the year, he's kind of recognizing that it's important for him to, to stay as level as he possibly can be for this group. And not to get too too down on himself and to not make that a, a big co- topic of conversation. 
Um, I was curious. It was, a, it was an interesting answer from him today, though. It was interesting. And it's not like this guy isn't um, very aware of his surroundings. It's not like he hasn't participated in what I think is a far tougher media and fan market in Vancouver. This is not new for him. But what is new is coming off his best season ever. And A, for him, why isn't it working as well? And B, you will never convince me because it would piss me off. When I listen to criticism, that's, and it's fair, it's fair within reason, but it's very recency bias. In this year from outside, and that's really for a guy like him, like he needs to be respected amongst his peers. And he's got that, trust me. But you hear the noise and it's hard. And it's hard when you're not playing as well as you'd like to, because then I think whether it's subconsciously, it's harder to believe that maybe some of it isn't true. But he is locked in right now with everyone. Everyone. And I think it's great. Then he was asked today, well, are you watching the other games? Were you, were you watching the Winnipeg game last night in terms of the race? And then I love this answer. Are you scoreboard watching at all? Nights off, like say last night, did you watch or see what happened? Or did you just wait to see what happens come in next I like hockey. I think you can learn from, from watching hockey and, uh, you know, not only, you know, goaltending, just, you know, in general, it's, I always like hockey and I always watch hockey. If any, you know, I watch a lot of Swedish hockey and uh, I watch the hockey here in the NHL, but, you know, it comes down to what we do here in, in our group. But with regards to like, like the Jets were playing yesterday, are you watching some of those games with teams that are above you in the standings and obviously hoping that they lose? Uh, I mean, we if we win every game that's left, I think we're in good position. So I think that's what we have to focus on. Logan, we've known one another for a long time, right? We have. What do you think I like the best about any of that? Probably the uh, the I like hockey part would probably be my guess. Likes watching as much as he can. And that he sees a lot of value yes. in watching others, not just the goaltending position. So don't ever question. You question, and it's very fair. He has not had a great season. Don't question whether this guy is invested in all in. And those people, because they touch, that's not always going to go the way they want. Because their ex-involves are higher than they are for anybody on them. The hard part is, is that those people also care to the point where it's not going well. That's hard, too. So to finish off today's Jacob Markstrom clip story, he and Elias Lindholm are as close as close could be. You know, they are great friends. 
um, on, off the ice from the same country. So to kind of help cap off the story, I decided in the scrum today, and I only wish you could see his face and you, and you can, there will be social media opportunities to do that. But I asked Elias, is your friend and teammate, Jacob Markstrom, as competitive a person as you have ever played with or been around? And here was his answer. Yeah, he's competitive. Uh, you know, even practice, uh, I think you guys can tell too, the, the way he battles and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, he's uh, very competitive and, and you know, uh, you need that as a goalie. Uh, you need you need to you know practice like everyone. You need to practice the way you play and, and you know stuff like that. So uh, you know he's he's a good friend and, and really competitive player. So it's uh, you know it's good to to have battles with him and practice well. Well, I didn't just tell that story today for myself. Um, I told it for Logan, you and everyone that is listening, because I don't think we, we see numbers. We take a look at things. Yes. Anybody can judge that watches on a regular basis that he is not having the kind of season that he would like, but that's in the rear view mirror. And for this team, it has to be in the rear view mirror and he's playing at the most adverse time of this team season, his best. And that says a lot to me. Is he responsible in part for it being where it is? Yes. And, and he doesn't need to hear me that, hear me say that. He said more about that stuff than I'll ever know. But what I never like to do is I, I do not in my workplace – I do not in my life. I don't give up in all in people because they generally find solutions and they're usually the guys I want to be in a foxhole with. And I will be in a foxhole with this guy as long as he's a Calgary flame and after, if that's how it goes. And I don't even know him. And I don't even know if he really knows who I am because since he got here, we're not around the team as much. But I believe in this guy, and I have through thick and thin and well, even when it's hard. And it's showing a lot here, I think, Lou. In, in my mind, at least, I think you'd be in the same camp that, you know, ever since Daryl came out and said about a week ago, hey, we're, we're handing you the ball. We're, you know, we're going for it here. We're going to need a stretch out of somebody. And it's going to be you, Jacob. Let's see what you can do with it, that he's responded in the right way. I think all of what you said is, is incredibly true, and he knows it, and everybody knows that the reason they are where they are in part is because he hasn't had a great season. But you know, to be challenged with coming up at this point in the season and being the guy to take the ball for this team and responding like he has with his best stretch of hockey so far this season, I think that's a very important thing for Jacob to have taken on. You know, I believe in Jacob Markstrom because I know he's all in. And even more importantly, I know the work is great. The results aren't always what people want when they work hard. But if you stay with the work and you believe in the work, the results come. 
And I can't say that about everyone on this team this year that has struggled. Because I think there's been blame game. I think there's guys, and I get it, who have not adapted well to things that are very difficult and different. I don't see it with this guy this way. And a lot of the other stuff is just going to take some more time. But if you don't look inward and at least take some of any responsibility for things that you really want that don't go well, no chance. But this guy, I knew he was special and it had nothing to do with when he was in the net. It was when he was hurt and didn't play in the series in Vegas against Vegas in Vancouver in the bubble after he'd played great and got hurt. Because I saw a guy on television every time they went to the Vancouver booth that couldn't have been more invested if he was king. And whether you believe in that stuff, and I know a lot of you don't, and that's good. You tell me about it every once in a while. That's fine. I don't need everybody to agree. That's fine. In fact, I learn a lot from people who don't. But that told me a lot about Jacob Markstrom because he could have been underneath. He could have been anywhere else feeling sorry for himself. He wasn't. He's done it with Daniel Vladar. He did it with Thatcher Demko. And that tells me that it's not about him. It's about his team and wanting to win. And I don't, in this day and age in the NHL, I think there's a lot of comfortable guys who make a lot of money and probably in all sincerity, not a lot, that's unfair, but there's a, there's a certain percentage that the lifestyle and what it gives you might be every bit as important as any of the rest of it. And you know what, Logan, why would I be upset at that with them if that's how it is for most people in their own respective places. What's the matter with that? Being great at something and having a great lifestyle and being able to live the way you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Nothing. No. Nope. Nothing. So uh, two-game homestand starts tomorrow against the Ducks. We'll dive into uh, you know some things about the opponent next, but uh, before I let you go, you know, good news for the Flames last night on the out-of-town scoreboard. The Minnesota Wild uh, do the Flames a favor and pick up a regulation win against the Winnipeg Jets. So Calgary will enter action tomorrow, Lou, with a chance to get within two points of Winnipeg. And as of right now, equal games played between the two sides. Uh, you're starting to see a, a bit of a path carve out for this team. And I know we've talked about worry about your own business and pick up the two points, but it certainly helps for, I'm sure those guys, you know, we heard Jacob's answer about watching games and, you know, seeing what's going on around them. I'm sure it's a lot easier for them knowing, hey, is it easy? No, by all means not. You got to pick up your own points and handle your own business, but it's a lot probably easier going to work every day knowing there's a path to it if you want to get there. You know, you know what I think we need for our show? Every time that P word comes up, We should play Jim Mora. (laughs) Playoffs? 
I don't want to talk about the playoffs. I don't want to talk about path. Um, it, of course, the obvious one is yes. Hope creates hope. But what we're going to dive into to tomorrow is it's teams like Anaheim, even though they've had success against the Ducks, that are the reason this team is in the position that it's in. That, to me, is the story. It's not about out-of-town scoreboards. It's really, and I'm sorry for repeating it, it's about changing the patterns, whether it's continued great goaltending, whether it's more timely scoring, whether it's taking more advantage when you're the better team, whether it's not, you know what? I don't even want to say playing down to somebody else's level because Logan, do you really get to say that unless you're in a playoff position? No. Like come, like come Sunday night, for example, in closing, if you're the Calgary Flames, should you really enter that game thinking you're any better than Ottawa? No. Why? For what reason? You're a perennial Stanley Cup contender that's had an off year. You've been in the playoffs six years in a row. It's an off time. No. And I think this is a really good team, the best one they've had since I've been there here. No, it's about them. We'll uh, we'll see what tomorrow brings. Though it's a game day against the uh, Anaheim Ducks. We'll uh, chat with you tomorrow and get set for uh, for game day, pal. Thanks for uh, being flexible with us today. Oh, listen, I, I the kids the kids in there. Taylor, she's already headed. I can tell. Um, Cameroon's not sure what to think. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I love it. Not sure how I should take I that, Lou. Love it. <laughs> you take it however you want. Exactly. All right, Lou. You know what? Because I get to t- I get to take what you just said, however I want exactly. to. <laughs> Talk to you tomorrow, pal. <laughs> See you guys. Bye. <laughs> Pete Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, uh, joins us every single day here on Sportsnet today, uh, getting you set for the Flames and the Ducks. It'll be tomorrow night. From the Scotiabank Style Dome, first of two at home for the Flames. They've got the Ducks Friday, Sens on Sunday. Lou's brought to you every single day by our friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group's now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. We'll head back to the Saddle Dome next. Hear from a couple of guys post-practice, including Jacob Markstrom, Elias Lindholm, and Chris Tanner. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.